Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. Have you guys ever been in really, really, really thick fog before? Like, like scary fog, like the kind of fog like you, you probably don't even want to drive in it type fog because you can't see anything. Uh, I remember when, when I first, we first moved here, I was supposed to go over to Pastor Rick's house. I was actually going to be staying the night at Pastor Rick's house. I don't exactly remember why, but I remember I had been hanging out with the youth. I was a youth pastor when I first got here, and so it was pretty late. Um, and, and, but this fog set in, and uh, Pastor Rick, he lives up on Round Mountain, just outside of Conway, and, and I was not familiar at all with the area, right? And so typically, I use like, like land and different things to find my way around. Like, I don't always pay attention to street signs and stuff. Any, anybody use like land objects and stuff? To, okay, well, it's not always, it doesn't work out great when you can't see the land, anywhere. And so I remember it was getting late and I was lost. I could not see anything. And I'm just up driving around. And the problem is it was so late. I didn't feel like I could call Pastor Rick and be like, hey, I'm lost. I'm sorry. It's 1.30 in the morning. Like, you know, can you come find me and help me? And so I kind of let some pride get to me and and I just kept driving around. And so then I get on this street. I'm like, man, this looks like the street. But I'm driving and I can't see even far enough to see the house. Like I can't see the house. I know what the house looks like, but I can't see it. So I pulled into like five or six different people's houses that was not their house. And like pulled into the drive, like turned the brights on. And that, how many of y'all know when there's fog, that doesn't help at all. You said, I can't help you see anything. So it's just really, really, really thick. But here's the thing. It is crazy about fog. Do you, do you know just how much moisture is in the air? Like when there is a fog that keeps you from even being able to see a house, do you know how much moisture is in the air? Cody, can you bring me that? This is how much moisture is in the air. That much dispersed into the air creates a fog so thick you can't see a full house from a few feet away. Just this much. That's it. And I feel like sometimes what happens is we've got about that much of a problem in our life. But the problem is we have spread it out so much and created such a big deal about it that it has created a spiritual fog that that keeps us from being able to see even 10 feet in front of our face to know what the Lord would have for us. Because we've just taken something that, that really isn't that big of a deal but man, have we just heated that up and created a fog and, dis- and dispersed it all over our lives. 
to keep us from being able to see clearly. I think a lot of that process starts in our mind. It starts in our thinking. I want to talk about having a sound mind today. It says this in 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Everybody say, that's me. But of power, of love, and of a sound mind. A sound mind. Other translations say, or of self-discipline. Which is really what this is. This, is. this is understanding who you are in relation to the Lord and it creates an internal accountability and discipline that keeps your thoughts and your mind in alignment with what he would want you to think, how he would want you to operate. Another way to say this is it's a balanced mind. This is not just the body, not just the spirit, not just the soul, all that comes together to form soundness, but it demonstrates itself through how we think, first and foremost. So to get you started, I call a good friend of mine who is a psychologist and a doctor. I said, hey, I want to talk about this, but I want you to help me come up with like a, a good picture, a good analogy to break this down of how all of us and who God created us, how it works together. So so he helped me kind of put this together. I want you to imagine a three-bedroom house with a living room, okay? And one of the bedrooms is, that represents the body, your body, okay? Which includes the brain, okay? So that's one bedroom. And then you have another bedroom, which is the spirit, okay? And, and one of the ways my friend talked about this, like he would describe this as the emotional seat or construct, of, your, of, of who you are, okay? So this is where your joy, your peace, this is where the fruit of the Spirit exists or doesn't exist. It's your emotions, okay? And then you have the soul, and that's the, the eternal part of who you are. And it is your soul that is what is bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. That in spite of how your thinking or your emotions or any of that is operating, that is the thing that is eternal, and, the, and when God sees that, that is how God, it's the filter of your soul that God is able to see you as he sees Christ, his only son. In the same type of, of view, okay? So, so here's these rooms, but they, they kind of come together. All these important parts, they converge into the living room, which represents the mind, your thinking. Now, in our house, we have a lot of different personalities. Uh, and as those personalities demonstrate themselves, we also have different people have different values around staying clean. I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but when, if, if, if a company comes over, right, or if it's kind of last minute and company is going to show up and maybe, maybe it's a little bit short notice, okay? How many of y'all know the rooms you're going to close the doors to? You don't even have to look in. You just know, nope, that door's got to close. That door's got to close. That kid's door definitely got to close. Like, you just know the rooms that you got to close the door on. But then you have other kids just like, actually, I don't mind them seeing their room. That'll make us look like responsible adults. Like, we know how to raise kids because their room's going to be clean, right? But how many of y'all know that if you have the personalities like that, how many of you, you have a member of your family that is a pack rat, that just collects stuff, just like constantly, just how many of you would be honest enough to say they came by that naturally, okay? Because usually they do. 
So here's the thing. How many of y'all know that those messes typically are not just going to stay in that room? It's not like that personality just demonstrates itself in their own little space. No, that personality is going to make itself known all over your house, all over the place. So here's the deal. You may have an area of your life that is a mess, and you can try to close the door on it and keep itself from demonstrating itself out where everyone can see it, but eventually it will manifest itself. And I think some of the issue is we need to lead better from the living room so that we can impact the rooms of our life. Uh, Not just with our emotions, but maybe also the way we raise our kids. Maybe we need to lead better from the living room so that what's manifested in their rooms looks more like the character that God would want to have in them. But certainly within our lives, our emotions, our spirit. When our minds are messed up, our lives are messed up. Here's another way to say this. You are your mind, and your mind is always with you. Like, you can't leave it, you know? Like, you can live three days without water, three weeks without food. You really can't live even, like, three seconds without your mind. You got to have it. So I want to go through some scriptures, and this is really the bulk of the scripture. I'm going to use it because this is just a really more practical teaching. But I, it's definitely centered around biblical principles. But here's some scriptures and regarding your mind. And I, here's the thing. If you really look at these and if you're really honest, these will encourage you, but they will also challenge you. And Matthew 22, 37 says this. Love the Lord your God with all. Everybody say all. Your heart, your soul, and mine. Okay, so we can quote that scripture over and over and over again. But let's just be honest. How many of us Honestly say, God has all of my emotion. God has all of my mind, my thoughts. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, that's a powerful statement. Because if we look at our culture, everybody's trying to improve. So many different areas of their life. You just go through your Facebook feed, you're going to find person after person after person that will encourage you to do something that will improve who you are. But this says transformation starts with your mind. Philippians 2.5. It starts with the word let. And I think that that's huge. This is a choice. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. So that comes with a challenge and a promise. You can have the same mind as Christ Jesus. But it's a choice. And you have to be intentional about that. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So after reading these verses, 
I think there's something we can all agree with, and that is that mind management, if you will, is something that we all can work on. And mind management needs to be a learning and progressive process, just like Paul talks about. We should be growing as we mature and grow, both in age, experience, and maturity, but certainly as we grow in the Lord, we should be putting away childish thinking, immature thinking, selfish thinking. Some things about a sound mind. First, sound mind has healthy boundaries. And I don't mean social boundaries. That's a different message. They do affect each other. But I'm talking about thought boundaries. Because here's the thing. Your mind has an appetite, and appetites always want more. Okay, so there are some things that you don't need to entertain or meditate on simply because you want to be righteous. You want to be more like Christ. But I also think it's important to clarify, a thought is not a sin. But it is how you mediate that thought that can become a sin. In other words, when you start meditating on the thought, that's when it becomes a sin. But it's all in how you mediate it. The mediation of a thought, what are you going to do with it? Mediation means something's presented. You're going to have to figure out, what am I going to do with this? You're either going to make the decision that it's going to stay or it's got to go. Another way to say it is, your mind has a front door. Your mind better have a back door too. Because if you let every thought in, and you just let it stay there, it's going to put its feet up on your coffee table and make itself at home. And then it becomes a part of you. Some thoughts need to go out the back door. They need to go. And there are thoughts that we just don't allow to camp out because they're unhealthy, they're toxic, they're defeating. They pull us into a weaker, non-Christ-like version of ourselves. but we have to be aware of those things and get rid of them. Cody, you mind coming up here? Give it up for Cody, my wife. So this is, this is kind of what this is like. Uh, here's Dr. Pepper. Anybody like Dr. Pepper in the house? Okay, I don't really drink much uh, Dr. Pepper. My, my preferred soft drink of choice, I know you guys call everything Coke, which is confusing, but, uh, but I like cherry Coke. Cherry Coke, okay? So one of my vices is large cherry Coke, no ice at a movie theater. That's like the only time I'll have it, but at a movie theater with a large refillable popcorn. And yes, I will refill the popcorn even before the credits have run from the beginning of the movie. I will eat popcorn like nobody's business. But this is what this is like. Throughout the course of the day, things will happen to you. And, uh, and those will create thoughts that are inside of you. So every once in a while, it's not that big of a deal. It's like, ah, uh, a guy cut me off on the way to work. Okay? Uh, somebody's not valuing me at my job like I want them to.
You're faced with a, a task at your job or at your work that you don't feel like you've been given the authority or the resources to be able to accomplish. And so now this thing is weighing on you and you are anxious. And throughout the course of the day, you take hits in your thoughts here and there. And then you come home and it's time to open up. I'm not going to do it because I think I want to keep my marriage healthy. But that's, but that's the point. Because you'll come home and you'll blow up all over everybody. And you'll say, look what you did to me. No, it was already inside of you. It's been in you all day. And the fact of the matter is, you got some carbonation inside of you you need to take care of. It's not your family's fault. But the truth is this, when you don't deal with those things that are inside of you, that toxicity, it'll come out most of the time, most severely on the people that love you and you love the most. And so you've got to figure out how to deal with that stuff and usher it and mediate it out so that you don't wind up hurting yourself and everyone around you. Thank you, baby. Second service is gonna be really ready to go. (laughs) So I find that a lot of times the Lord is focused on wanting to do something in you before he's going to do something for you. And a lot of times that has to do with first, like, hey, if, if their mind's not ready, if their thinking's not ready, God loves you enough. He's not going to give you more than you're able to handle, like the blessing included. Why would he give you a blessing when your mind is full of, full of junk that when it's time to use the blessing, it's so mixed up with a bunch of other stuff that it then becomes a curse? So how do you usher thoughts out? Well, worship is a great way to usher thoughts out the back door. Prayer and reading the word are practical ways to usher those thoughts out. A sound mind knows the difference between a rut and a trench. So a rut, typically, it's formed in mud, right? Uh, It can be really dangerous, though. Most of the time, it's unintentionally created, but it really doesn't have any purpose and it has to be repaired. Uh, so I've got, I've got this scar on my arm. It's like one of the more pronounced scars that I have. And I got that scar because I used to do a lot of mountain bike riding. And I love doing downhill mountain bike riding. And I was coming down, I was still in Colorado and I was, I was coming down off this mountain and, and having a good time and everything. But I came around this corner and I hit this deep rut, this really deep rut. And my, my front tire went into it. And, uh, and there wasn't anything that I could do about it. I could not steer out of that. 
I knew exactly where I wanted to go, but I could not go there because this rut had captured the steering mechanism of my bike and wouldn't let me go. And that is exactly what happens in so many of our lives. We unintentionally create ruts by going over something that is apart from the way that God would have us to go over, but going over it over and over and over again until we've created this deep trench that even if we know where we wanna go, we can't steer our lives. It doesn't feel like we can steer our lives to go to the place that we need to go. But a trench is intentionally dug to deliver necessary resources to a specific location. It's thought out. It has a purpose. And it also can fix existing problems. So I remember growing up and, and having horses, and we would always have like ditches that ran through property with, with water running through it. And at different times of the year, we knew that we had to open up channels in those ditches in order to water the pasture so that the horses, we could rotate the horses and they would always have grass. Farmers understand this, man, irrigation is huge. Down on the Delta, but it's all on purpose. It all has a reason. And so the point is this. I think it's important for us to understand and identify the ruts that we've created and create a new trench with purpose that'll actually resource the areas of our lives that can become dry. We need to fix the rut, cover up the rut, but then purposely dig a trench that'll feed the areas of our lives that need to be fed. If we don't, then we will get in a cycle. Uh, we'll, we'll be in a cycle and, and it'll be a faulty thinking that, we, that we'll be trapped in. And, and, and it's crazy how powerful the Lord has made our minds because you can sit in a service over and over and over again and hear the same truth over and over and over and over again. But at the end of the day, if your mind is not being transformed, if there is not healing in specific areas of your life, you will continue to do things that hurt you and hurt others, even when you're surrounded by truth. And, and so if you, if you fish for very long at all, uh, bass especially are like this. Has anybody ever caught a bass or a fish that already had a hook in it? Already had a hook inside the mouth or in the jaw? Well, when you catch a fish that's like this, typically what, what winds up happening is their flesh will just grow around that hook. Like to the point where you, basically if you were gonna try to remove it, it would kill the fish. This happens sometimes when people are shot or if they have shrapnel. Sometimes a doctor will make the decision that the, the, the surgery to remove it is so invasive that it would be better to leave it. Just leave it in there. And what'll happen is your body will just envelop it. Normalize that thing inside of you. When your mind is wounded, it will tell you that your addiction is normal. Your abuse is normal. Your lies are normal. 
Because your mind is trying to normalize the hook. It's trying to normalize the bullet. But the truth is this, you don't have a broken mind, you have a wounded mind. You just have some experiences that need healing. You need the application of the word of God and prayer and good community. Your mind's not broken, it's just got some wounds that need to be dealt with, that you have normalized over the years. Also, a sound mind has a thought audit process. A thought audit process. Whatever you think the most about is growing because you're feeding it. We need some filters to keep control, to help us have control over our thoughts. So here's some questions that you can consider. You may want to write these down. Is there tension that needs attention? If there's tension in your life, it will not go away until you give it attention. (laughs) It's, just, it's not gonna just disappear. If you got tension, you're gonna have to figure it out. You're gonna have to look at what's causing the tension and you're gonna have to give it some attention. You're gonna have to address it. You're gonna have to do something about it. Another good question. What is the wise thing? Not the permissible thing. Not the popular thing. Not the thing that'll make me accepted by other people, what is the wise thing to do? Because there is a big difference between what is wise and what is good. There's a lot of things that can be good out there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's what is wise. And it's only through wisdom that you get God's best. Is it wise? What is wise? Am I being honest with myself? I think is another good question. You're the only one that can answer that question honestly. Am I being honest with myself? You'll know. You'll know that there's this one area you just try to walk past as fast as you can. Everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine. That room is not there. That mess is not there. No, the clothes are not piling up in the laundry room. You got to be honest with yourself. Another good question. Can I control this? Can I control this? So back in the day when we had uh, our school for for college students, uh, we did a a bunch of different stuff. We do some outdoor stuff and we would take students repelling. And, uh, and so, you know, you, we run through everything. I've talked a bit about this before, but you, you run through everything. You coach them. You show them all the safety systems. You even talk about like, hey, this is how much weight this particular piece of equipment can hold, okay? Like it can hold a truck, okay? So it can hold you. You're good. You're good, okay? Here's, here's the, the belay device, Okay, this belay device, if you use it correctly, you're going to be fine. You'll be safe. But what you find is everyone has this inherent need in them to try to control. 
And, and the problem with that is, if you don't just trust the wisdom, if you don't trust the instruction that's been given to you when it comes to repelling, it can put you in a pretty tough spot. And so one time this girl was getting ready to go off the rock and she got off the side of the rock and she got down a couple of feet, but she wasn't trusting what we told her to do. And one of the things she was trying to do, she's trying to hold on to the rope to try to hold herself up. But the, she can't hold herself up. The equipment is holding her up, right? But because of that, she had a glove on and the glove, the pinky of it, slipped down into the belay device, okay? So now she's caught, okay? Now, thankfully, her finger didn't go into that, but the glove is stuck down in the belay device. Okay, so guess what that means? It means we got to set up another line or two of other people that will repel down to her and get her unstuck. This is such a great picture of what happens so often in the body of Christ. People are trying to control what they can't control. And when they do that, they get stuck. And when they get stuck, other Christians have to repel down to help them get unstuck. And that's fine, that's the body of Christ. But so often what it means is you're taking people out of the fight for people who aren't Christians. Because we're busy taking care of people that keep getting stuck because they're trying to control what they can't control. So often, how many of you, including myself, we have lost countless nights of sleep thinking about things we have absolutely no control over? But you'll do it. And when you're tired, it's even worse. You will go over it over and over and over and over and over and over again. But the truth is, it is outside of your control. There's only one thing you can do. Take it, Jesus. I don't have control, but you do, and I can trust you. Take this. Take it. I can't control this. Last thing, a sound of mind. A sound mind is a work in progress. Because here's the thing. We can all struggle with some basic elements that create thinking errors, things like resilience, like the ability to bounce back, to have thick skin, dependability, like people can count on you. Consistency, like people know which you they're gonna get when you show up. We all can struggle with delayed gratification. Like so often the thinking errors and the thinking issues we have is because we want what we want now. Instead of understanding like, no, if we can wait, if we can wait, God will meet our needs. He'll take care of us. But the truth is this, continuous improvement, it's really important to have a sound mind. The biblical churchy word, if you will, is called sanctification. Being transformed. I wanna give you two final thoughts I think that will free, up, free you up mentally because so much of the issues that you're having with your mind are because of what you think about other people thinking about you. 
So here's the first thing. Not every person you love wants to get better mentally. Sometimes people prefer being broken over being better because being broken gets them attention. It's the wrong kind of attention, but that's the reason why they stay there. And here's the thing. You are not responsible for the betterment of others. And that doesn't mean you don't love them. You can continue to love them. It's the Holy Spirit's job. That is a thing you can't control. You can't make someone else get better. Another thing, no one thinks about your mistakes nearly as much as you think about your mistakes. I promise you. It consumes you though. It consumes you. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Like, I just don't think about, sit around thinking about like, man, I'm just gonna go through a list and just think about people's mistakes. Whew. Just the way I wanna entertain myself this afternoon. I just don't. I just don't. And anyone who's consumed with thinking about your mistakes is someone you don't need to care about what they think. If being hard on yourself worked, it would have worked by now. It would have changed it by now. It's okay if you're not winning in this area. It's okay. Just be open to transformation. Be humble and be teachable. Ask the right questions around people you trust that can help you process. Philippians 2, 5 again, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Be open, be teachable. Don't be prideful. In Philippians 12, 1, it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Translation, when your mind changes, your world changes with it. Your relationships, your health, your relationship with God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for who you are, your word, your desire for us to be whole and complete and, and being transformed into the likeness of Christ. Lord, I pray as we get ready to worship you with this song, Lord, that you would just use it as a, as a confirmation and affirmation of who we are, of who you are. And I pray even in this, Lord, that some of us would usher some of the thoughts and the thinking that have trapped us, consumed us, and held us captive, that we would usher those thoughts out and usher you in, in Jesus' name, amen.